Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. idea what loss is. You have no idea what loss is. Welcome to the world of The Last of Us. It's Entertainment Talks podcast for the Naughty Dog video game series and the HBO and Sky Atlantic television show. I'm your host, Matthew. Joining me today, my co-host is David. How's it going? I'm doing well. It is also the Geek Tab Behind the Scenes podcast as well, because it's going to go out on both feeds. So uh, we've teamed up together to do this interview. So. <laughs> yes, yes. So yeah, the interview we had was with uh, John Piano, who's the production designer on The Last of Us. Uh, we just finished recording it. We just thought we'd do this as the intro. Of course, we've been about for season two when that happens and of course any other bits of game podcasts if I decide to do those. Just a little bit more background about John. Before coming on to The Last of Us, he worked on a whole stack of TV shows and films including the movie Margin Call, Dallas Buyers Club. Once he moved into TV he did the second and third season of The Leftovers. He worked on Sharp Objects, Big Little Lies, The Morning Show and Apple's recent series The Shrink Next Door. So incredibly experienced production designer. Thank you for listening and enjoy the interview. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Thank you, John, for spending a little bit of time to talk through your work. I absolutely love the show. We both absolutely love the show. I mean, and it's been a phenomenal success as well. I I think it has to be more than you could have ever dreamed of, really, for this. This is true. Yeah. No, um, I think everyone's efforts just just all mixes and meshes perfectly. Yeah. It's just been an absolutely outstanding piece of work from top to bottom, from the actors, the sets, the direction. It's been incredible. Before we talk specifically about the last of us just a bit more background about you how did you get into sort of production design in the first place because it's one of those jobs that people seem to fall into (laughs) well yeah no that's you know yeah everyone has their own paths to it i myself went to school actually for cartooning (laughs) there we go and you know like my cartoon teachers were kind of i don't think cartooning is such an insular i'm sitting at my pad drawing they didn't really have much to offer which in retrospect i think is probably good you know like art is hard to teach so and then i gravitated towards uh 
fine art and design, you know, had some shows in Soho in the 70s in New York and in the East Village where I was living. And I got sick of the art world and I just kind of wandered into a theater and started building and painting sets. And I did off, 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 off Broadway and then <laughs> off, you know, and then made my way up to off Broadway. And then you, I ran into people who were doing this new thing called music videos. Right. And so I started doing music videos and then commercials and then low-budget film. And I just kept going and going and going to indies. And then, you know, like 30, $30 million movies, I think I got up to. And then that whole paradigm of making movies kind of changed. And then TV was, you know, people in TV who wanted to hire movie designers mm-hmm. and not people who had done TV. So mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough to get on shows like The Last of Us and And then I just, you know, kept doing TV, which now, you know, like I actually run into a lot of independent film people who I used to more in TV Mm. years ago or six years ago when that became the thing that I did the most, which is very interesting. But, um, you know, I think people go where they're allowed to flourish and TV like I said, the paradigm of making movies has changed so much and how many have made. So everyone who was wanted to flourish, went into TV. And that's how we ended up here. Yeah. And how did you come to The Last of Us? How familiar were you with the product well, before? I, I actually knew the game from, I love concept art, you know, mm-hmm. I collect old concept art, new concept art from film and TV and just about everything. And I had seen the concept art when the game came out. Yeah. Um, and I was drawn to it because it was so, you know, most concept art at the time. I don't know, Matthew, when did the game first come out? Uh, 2013, the PS3 version of Last of Us 1. So 10 years ago, yeah. Yeah, so 13 years ago, a lot of concept art for games was kind of primitive or just looked cartoonish. And the concept art for The Last of Us was very painterly and it looked like the kind of concept art we would do for a film. So I was just intrigued by it. I played it a little bit, but then it is so, you know, like a good game. It sucks you in and I couldn't afford to stay up till four o'clock in the morning and then be on (laughs) set at 6 a.m. So I stopped playing it. But I was always drawn to the concept art because of the reasons I mentioned. And also it just felt cinematic. And so I occasionally would just ask someone I know at HBO, oh, what's going on? You know, and then they said, oh, well, we're looking for a designer for the last of us and then i was fortunate enough to get a meeting with craig and neil and they you know i was happy to be allowed to collaborate with them on this series so i'd look at your imdb for some tv work that you'd done just to see what i'd seen that you'd also done as well as the last of us so i just wanted to ask you out of those shows so obviously the last of us uh the shrink next door which was a recent show the morning show which is still going big little lies sharp objects and uh, the leftovers those are the ones of yours i've seen (laughs) how do those kind of compare to last of us Last of Us is a bit different to those, but uh, some really, really good shows in there. Well, this is different because it's just gigantic. I mean, this Mm. world here, you know, on the leftovers, we had a pretty big world. We were in Texas, Australia, New York simultaneously. So that was a lot. 
of more subtle building and more subtle world building, a very different kind, but certainly the scope of it being in the outback and building settlements there. But The Last of Us was just that on steroids. So in one sense, that was incredibly complicated and and the biggest show that I've ever worked on. I think it might be the biggest show in Canada so far. Um, So it was different in that sense, but it was not that much. It was just more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The Leftovers was logistically difficult as well. And I think the thing that I had to wrap my head around about The Last of Us was, okay, great. I really wanted to do a show of this scale and and a size and the fullness of the characters and the world. But it's kind of already figured out in a certain sense. So how do I, you know, you always want to, you know, not so much make your mark, but you want to bring things to it. Certainly, we have scripts like episode three that are yeah. deviation. So then it was, you know, interested in how did Naughty Dog approach doing it way, way back? Because I think they'd been working on it for probably 10 years prior to that. And I was interested talking because I've never adapted a video game. And I was interested talking to see them. So where did, where did you guys start from? And it was interesting because they think of everything in paths, mm-hmm. not really making environments. And this is from someone who plays games, but has no idea how they're made. Um, <laughs> so they're interested in paths or characters. You become the character. There's a bunch of differences. And then, you know, looking at, again, their concept art. Like I treated their concept art as if I was going to do a film about about life at the turn of the century, I'd look at Gainsborough paintings for reference. So I looked at their concept art as reference, very good reference. And in some cases, reference that we would emulate all 90%. But because we have cameras in different places, we have scripts, we have directors with their point of views, and we're making things real. And we want to have a few things that hearken to what life is like now, like Fedra as a stand-in in America for the draconian homeland security of the Trump administration. You know, it was a, something that I really felt kettling people in the Fedra prison and putting them in shipping containers and chain link was something that I had kind of borrowed from how that administration treated immigrants. And so yeah. wanted to put that in there. So there were things like that, that I, hmm. Neil and Craig were very gracious and said, that's a nice idea. Let's put that in. And there's deviations and variations there that would come naturally from, you know, having to make things real. Like here's hmm. the place where we're going to make the QZ. Okay, it's different than South Boston. Well, we're going to make it like look like South Boston, obviously, but we're also dealing with weather, gravity, physics, <laughs> all those things, and actors need to crawl through things, and 2D actors don't rip their arms off. Yes. A piece of metal, <laughs> but 3D actors do. So yeah. all of that becomes part of the adaption in the making of in a big yeah. set. Talking a lot about the scope of the whole thing. I mean, one of the things with this show is the fact that Joel and Ellie do not stay in one place really from episode to episode. So every single episode. No standing you- sets. We never had a standing set. We were always moving and we're in Canada. Calgary, really, the architect, there's some things, there's a certain kind of frontier, what I call frontier architecture of towns that is very similar to once you get in the Midwest or Texas. So we benefited from that. And certainly 
Calgary feels like the Midwest, right? I'll call it of the Rockies areas of the, the states. But when we were east and west, there wasn't really, you know, just making a point to we're in Canada, but it has to look like America. So that was another thing that influences the design, what we're going to use in Canada that we feel would be good enough and what we're going to build. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so so- we never had a standing set. Really. So you're not using sets. Everything is real locations. No, what I mean by standing sets is that we're never in one set. Oh, got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But we built all the interiors. Right, okay, yeah. And the streets... I mean, there's a couple that we didn't build, like one, the tunnels that the settlement tunnels, we just found these cool tunnels right, that we yeah. wanted to use and we ended up using them. But hmm. 90% of the interiors are built. Right. And the streets are completely decorated with greens and blister. You know, we sculpted blisters to go on the streets to make them break up. Our thing was we're from Craig, obviously, but realism is the key. Mm-hmm. So wherever we're walking, 20 feet up, the art department is dressing everything around them. And if they're walking on that street, when they go to the overpass and the trucks are in it and all of this and it's blocked, that's all there. Yeah, I was going to say. because All uh, of that's there. When they go into Kansas City, they crash into the laundromat. We built the laundromat there. We dressed those streets. And then when they go into an interior, that's on a stage. Right. Billstown was completely built. Yeah. The QZ was built from scratch. Billstown is built from scratch. The cul-de-sac where the confrontation with the infected, it's all built from scratch because those things just don't, the architecture didn't exist in, in Calgary and we're desiccating them. Yeah. So it doesn't make any sense to go to houses and go, can I <laughs> cover your can house? Take a flamethrower <laughs> to your house and then restore it. So, so, so that's... That's all on back lots and that sort of thing. But all built. Yeah. There's no like, oh, look, here's somebody built a street in New York. No. Yeah, because I was wondering if maybe you're, you're taking sort of old warehouses and, and doing the No, work. I wish. I was shocked that there were no old warehouses. The only the only one location, the, the construction site, we got into a construction site. But again, you know, we're always dressing it so much. It might as well be a thing. But we never had actors walk through the volume or green screen yeah walking on everything the roof in the bostonian when they come out obviously that's not that's high. Up. yeah but the roof's there and the other thing is there and they're walking across that janky piece of wood <laughs> i mean that's a really interesting decision to go for that because there must be such a temptation to turn to heavy vfx at this point well they to- you know it's just we're leaning more on the practical building as yeah. much as possible but obviously, if two buildings in the background are going like this, that's VFX. So it's more for said extension. Mm-hmm. And it's not like they're just walking through a green screen stage. We never we never did that. It's more of what's outside of their area. But, you know, they could walk. I could take a deviation here or there in different places. We dress 360. Yeah. Oh. I mean, some of the specific sets, there's the hotel that you come into, uh, which is sort of filled with water at the bottom. I remember when me and Matt were talking about this and Matt was saying it's quite accurate to the game. Yeah, that particular scene was so interesting to me because not only was the optional conversation included, which is Ellie going on the, you know, at at the desk and then there's a safe around the other side, which I only found later in one of my playthroughs. (laughs) And then there's a bit on the left when you go in 
which has got Joel talking about coffee and there's like a ladder and stuff there. From those kinds of things where the game really is shot for shot, it was just so stark and so incredible to literally see this game come to life. I mean, you know, as somebody who's played the games quite a few times, I wasn't necessarily there for, oh, what's the story? Because I know what the story is. It was kind of, it was literally seeing this game not be, you know, animated or motion capture, but to see it actually come to life and with, with those sorts of scenes. So it is established in the episode, in, in that scene kind of that uh, Ellie can't swim. After that, there were two occasions where the show kind of avoided using water. Were there any sort of discussions about when you were going through the process and sort of, okay, once we get to these particular parts with water, how do we sort of get through them or go past them or any sort of alternatives? What was the general kind of discussion on sort of, I guess, how to deal with water or that well, water? Yeah. We, I think specifically, you know, we have scripts and that we're going by them for most things. Mm-hmm. There was probably, yeah, I mean, we did, there are scenes where there are, there's supposed to be a scene where they traverse like an outdoor walkway and there's a water underneath, you know, Craig and Neil decided not to, not to have those. Right. It's true. It's truly is a, we don't need that for this scene. Right. I think one of the things, in my opinion, was why the show is successful is just avoiding things that the game has, but just don't work for a TV show. I mean, Craig always said, this is an intimate journey. It's an intimate love story. There's really not that many wide scenes. And there's a lot of scenes of people just huddled together talking. And mm. there was a conscious decision. I think if you liked the show, as someone who played it, we had enough of the, I'll call it the gameplay, the dealing with the infected and trying to find things. You know, like Joel's looking for a kit that he left behind in the convenience store in episode three. That to me is like, okay, here we're trying to have a little bit of that typical thing. Find the survival pack, find the ammo. But a TV show of all of that just wouldn't work. Exactly. The water is a oblique part of that. Mm. If we're going through something, we don't. I think there'll be more of that in the second season. And I, I don't, you know, but here we're establishing stuff. We're also trying to figure out what is kind of like the gloss of the show to put, you know, like what percentages of this and what percentage of that and VFX and all of that. So that's all being worked out in the first season too. What yeah. should emphasized and what should not be yeah establishing the characters like you be you are the character you know you're filling in the void of the avatars in the game Mm -hmm. but here that's one of the good things that the actors are bringing that already yeah i mean there are nods to some of the gameplay as you kind of go through because one of the things we were talking about with the water we had a discussion about are they going to show up (laughs) with a pallet at some point to to help ellie get across (laughs) something you know but it's one of those things that had you done it it would have been done like like once not every time they got to a piece of water right. you know but yeah and there were nods to it like with her climbing ladders and stuff and helping joel up and or, you know all that sort of stuff so in terms of some of the other sets i mean bill and frank's which i mean that episode is outstanding gorgeous it's just beautiful soup to nuts yeah i told greg i thought it was one of the best scripts i'd ever read and it is it's just a beautiful it's a respite you know and it just it's a story it's a story first and foremost so mm-hmm. now we're going to the a story and we're taking a break from the action it was great it's such a beautiful episode and that deserves a ton of awards on its own that episode 
But dressing that area and that set must have been really interesting for you because you're <laughs> doing it over a length of time and there's a lot of stuff in there as well as the whole outside area as well. I well guess. Also, that was really hard to find because Calgary is a land of pine trees and we're supposed to be in New England with privet bushes and deciduous oaks and things like that. So we had to find and bring in privet bushes or find something that would play for that and fake stuff. And that was built from scratch. We found a housing area that they took all the houses away because it was a flood zone. So we went in and we added driveways. At least we had the road. At least we had lawns and we didn't have a pine tree for us. So we had the basis of building the town. And, you know, it's all there. The monument is there. It's it's, it's We didn't finish off very tall things like the church steeple mm-hmm. and some of the roofs we left. Because we literally had to do that in, I think it was six or 10 weeks. <laughs> so we're working on a TV schedule. Yeah, that's you know, crazy. We're doing, we're doing nine movies, nine blockbusters, mm-hmm. but we're working on a, a TV set schedule. Yeah, that's completely crazy. So, yeah, and that's just a nod to my crew, which was incredible. Yeah, I mean, a phenomenal work. It was to fun that. to do something that's not desiccated. You know, yeah. like the uh, talk show, the first scene was yeah. actually the last thing we filmed. And again, it was just fun for everyone to do something that isn't a desiccated, peeling, water-solved, muddy place. So I think that that's really gives the show. Also, Jakarta, right? Making those labs. Yeah. It gives the show like a wider world. We're not just trudging through muck. I think that was a really good way to develop things and, and flesh out the show, too, and telling it you know, setting it up too. Yeah. That there's a big world out there. Absolutely. I love that opening as well, because particularly the quality of the actors you got in that opening scene, and you're like, mm-hmm. well, well, if you're going to throw these actors away, essentially on a little opening scene. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's when talk shows were intelligent. Yeah. If you remember Dick Cavett, he'd have like John and Lennon and Yoko Ono, and then he'd have, you know, Don Rickles sitting next to them. They were just much more interesting yeah intelligent they're talking about current affairs science yeah actual talk show talking about science yeah were there any specific bits that that stick out for you about the, the in, sets in, for um, episode three and for episode build. three yeah well i've really enjoyed getting into bill's like what's his deal he lives in this town he's kind of a mama's boy He's also a gun-loving MAGA, not really MAGA, but like a survivalist professional mama's boy. I thought, you know, the house, this family was probably the matriarch and the patriarch of the town, which is not uncommon. And in this kind of New England town, the richest people are right in the town. The, Mm -hmm. The poorer you are, the further out you are until you have a farm. So they had renovated and kept the, you know, kept the house up almost like a museum. It should feel like, you know, the floors that he doesn't live on, really. You know, he's been away and he comes home and he's staying up in his bedroom, but he's built this bunker underneath. But the middle part where he eats and, you know, all of that should be preserved, almost like a museum. Mm-hmm. Almost like these, you know, like when I was a kid, my parents took to me his you know, historic Williamsburg and you go and you watch the candle dipping and all that stuff. But these towns are still like, even if you go to these towns like Bedford or Kent in Connecticut, they're very much kept as they were. And it's a source of pride, historical relevance to have markers on the homes and things. Now, I know in England, the country's older and that's more common, but it's not that common in the States. And 
these towns are our old founders towns. But I love just figuring out like, you know, what is this house? What, you know, and how to show that. And and it's a metaphor for his repression and his all of that's in there. And mm-hmm. it was, again, a really wonderful respite to make it as they, you know, they have the Viking stove, but they still have the hearth from the original house. Yeah. That has in the colonial times, they cooked in that. And, they, and that was a source of heat. So I wanted to make sure. And you see these. It's all, what I used, I think the reference I used for that, Martha Stewart bought a house in Connecticut that was, you know, for our country built in, you know, 1600s. Yeah. But it's been modernized to a T, but it still feels like a colonial home. So all the things are still there and the features are still there and the wide plank floors and all of that stuff and the chalk paint and the lime wash and all of that's still there because, you know, that's how mom kept it. And that was interesting take on him and also furthered the idea of his personality. Yeah, absolutely. Did that set evolve as you sort of go through that episode because you're moving through time? Oh, yeah. No, it did. We were that actually we were going to do more of the decorative and VFX. And certainly we had to because of, you know, shooting schedule, but we actually did weed it up as it went on and do more than we anticipated practically because Craig just said, can we do it practically? And we did. Yeah. But it was also figuring out what Frank is doing with all this time sitting there was also fun too, making him a little more sartorial, a little more creative, mm-hmm. the paintings and things like that, and that he's bringing flowers in anyway. So all of that was also interesting. Again, we have like a bit of world building in a world building show that's not just, I have to rebuild a chair, right? You know, yeah. so that was, you know, it was great. It was really great. A yeah. lot to dig into. That episode is just a masterpiece of work from start to finish. It's just brilliant. Yeah, it's just beautifully tender and yeah, real. One of the other big episodes, which again is, is more of a sort of bottle episode, was the Ellie-focused one. And there's that huge mole set used for that. How did you approach that? And was well, that sort of we, repurposing something? We found up? a mall that had been stripped completely. All right. the facades inside of it had been gone. It didn't have a second floor. So we kind of cheated a balcony for her to look on. And that's all Andrew and our VFX creating that second floor. Right. But basically, it's, I don't know, 30 shops that we recreated and brought in a merry-go-round. And my favorite, of course, is building the arcade because I'm a child of the 70s. And I spent a lot of time when malls were real malls back then, the arcade. So that's from the game. But again, one thing to remember, our show is a period piece. All of this dressing is from 20 years ago. And it's set now, so it's contemporary. But everything is from 20 years ago. So we did play a little bit. We made the mall a bit older than that because we just had to have the golden age of arcades for that. Yeah. But there and in the shops, we wanted to make really emphasize doing things from 20 years ago. So the logos and the merchandise is not current. And the games, all those games 20 years ago, one thing that we had to do, they're all have CRT screens in them. Right. Yes. Roll on camera now on our digital platform. So they all had to be rebuilt. Yeah. And software had to be programmed. So it was a big deal to have that, you know, the pinball machines, pinball machine. But all the video stuff was was a lot of work. Yeah. 
that all was live. Again, realism, realism, realism. That's all running. That's all going on. Yeah. You know, it was great. The thing that I liked about that episode, too, was kind of like a really great date night. But also, Ellie's never seen this stuff before. And she can't believe people actually would worry about what kind of underwear they were. Yeah. So that's all great. Yeah. There's a few beautiful moments throughout where Ellie says something you're like oh yeah she's never been in a plane she's she wouldn't understand any of this because it's just completely well, alien to her fresh you know like yeah. there's a lot of that in the show you know she she gets in the car it's like a spaceship to her yeah lived in the QZ she'd never even really been outside uh, South Boston streets that are a tenement tiny little slum yeah what was the most challenging piece of scenery to like put together anything from any particular episode I think the wall was a challenge I mean it's hard to say. <laughs> I get asked that, and it's almost like, well, I could spin a roulette wheel and just go up and stop on it would probably have a challenge. I mean, obviously, some things were not as challenging. I'd say, you know, doing Billstown mm. and the amount of time we had was challenging. The QZ was challenging because the wall was a structural engineering marvel. That was definitely challenging because that's a real concrete wall. So I'd say those two are challenging, you know, but I'm, I'm almost like a, mm, challenging. Like what degree of challenge would it would yeah. have to be? But I mm. think the wall, you know, getting, getting the Billstown done in time was amazing. Again, an amazing crew. And the wall and the QZ were just, the wall was a big deal. Yeah. With those doors and being able, you know, like we wanted people to be able to walk on it, you know, and people did. And a lot of it didn't make it in the final cut for editorial reasons, not because it didn't look awesome. So, you know, all of that, I'd have to say between the QZ and Billstown and mm. the cul-de-sac, I feel like the cul-de-sac, we knew what it was going to be right from the get-go and we had an enough time to do it but again try to just think you know we don't have a movie schedule we have a tv mm. we have nine movies in less than a year so that's why i say the challenge was just to keep up really yeah mm. i suppose it's interesting with the the bill episode like you mentioned and you said about some specifics with that before because obviously when you go through the game Frank's sort of let's say not there and Bill's actually meeting Ellie and Joel and, and there's some differences there I suppose there were sort of gaps to fill in and stuff because you spoke about like specific um, personal elements to Bill in the house and that just sort of flows differently to the game so I suppose that would have there would have been a big uh, sort of difference there as well yeah but again we are going from the script mm -hmm. so yeah. that's our bible you know I know in the game Bill and Joel just kind of meet and Bill's town is a completely different kind Kind of thing like a booby trapped filled you know it's much more urban where mm -hmm. we made a decision that it would be interesting and also i think that's just logistically like it's got to be smaller it's got to be a hamlet which those exist those one stoplight hamlets exist there's many many of them in new england yeah it would run across literally a stoplight an intersection with a war monument and a few shops and that's it yeah <laughs> Absolutely. In terms of when you're dressing the set, were there any little Easter eggs you were either asked to put in or? Our Easter eggs would be what's in the game, like, you know, the Dawn of the Wolf posters and stuff. We would always try to put a f some things in. 
Well, the thing with the game is it's all generic. And we, thankfully, were able to be much more specific. Like we can have a Taco Bell. Yeah. We can have a Starbucks. So our Easter eggs were just the realism. Like we're adding that realism. Aside from the obvious things like Ellie's backpack and the, you know, like in her dorm room, we would do nods to space exploration and the comic book and things like that. So we did it. We we definitely did it. And there were things that we put in that were subtle that were just, you know, when Ellie's being born, we have these trees and these affirmation of life thing of these like, you know, the thing is we'd always try to put plant stuff in because of people's plants. Good. They're a huge part of decoration, but are these good plants, bad plants? We always tried to have a floral element in there. <laughs> but we put a few Easter eggs of floral elements here and there and things of rebirth and you know, that normally these things would be symbols of life and now possibly they're the exact opposite. Yeah. Kind of a two-part question. Which was your favorite episode to work on? And uh, was there a particular scene or particular area that you like enjoyed the most working on? Well, I think it would have to be the arcade. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a personal preference. But I think from the sense of accomplishment, point of view i'd have to say it's bill's town mm-hmm. yeah but well, the mall, makes it's just a lot of fun yeah it's incredible that just the amount of sets that you go through on that show because you've got the town that they come to in the later episode where joel meets his brother again creating that that was a main street in a town that we picked because it looked like you know like when you're in jackson wyoming when you sit on main street you look down you can see the rockies on both ends so we picked that and i forget what that was uh, canmore calgary it had that feel it had a rustic feel wasn't exact match but we did what we could to it and then of course building a section of that log wall Mm -hmm. which was there too wasn't as big as i would have liked it to be because the town for some reason didn't want us to disrupt their life i don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> or stop oh, grateful <laughs> yeah you know like i think there were a lot of things the sense of accomplishment and getting it done was very fulfilling but i'd have to say billstown yeah and and the mall were just fun yeah, I am absolutely astounded at just the work that has got into that show. And I am so happy it's coming back for more. Do you know if you're working on the next season? Yeah, right now. It's all being figured out. It's just been absolutely incredible. And so looking forward to seeing more of it and, uh, you know, seeing where they go for the next season and potentially the season after that. Because I know Craig and Neil have talked about splitting the next of it at least two seasons. So, enough, I guess, material to do that yeah because the second game is a lot longer so last couple of questions for you sure first question is what tv shows are you watching yourself at the moment okay i should be able to rattle this off i just jump around so much (laughs) you know i watch a lot of old movies i think let's see oh well, I'm trying to remember. What was the last TV show my wife and I watched that was current? I guess none of them made an impression on me. Go to the yeah. next question and I'll think for a moment. I'll look right. at my Netflix queue. The last question is, if you had the opportunity to work on any TV show, it can be something historical from the past, something else that's present day, or some sort of future genre that maybe you've not had a chance to work in yet, what show would it be? I would love to work on an alternative history show. Like I was doing the morning show when, what was the show? Apple was doing another. For all mankind. For all mankind. And I would walk in there and they did such a good, they recreated the Kennedy Space Center. I know. They recreated these, like the designer had thought, okay, here's what 
the Soviet's moon landing vehicle would be. And here's the American one, because it's not an exact copy. That would be, and I, I was like, it was just so fun. You know, I was doing the morning show, which was fun to, I mean, just like challenging and everything. I tend to try to do things that I've never done before. Like I'd never done a show about a talk show. <laughs> I've never done a show about an apocalyptic world. So I'd love to do something that is more about creating alternative history because mm -hmm. I love to have the history. But I'm also, you know, space nut and sci-fi, big time sci-fi. So I'd love to do something that's more sci-fi oriented. Yeah. But the answer, but I was so jealous of those guys on <laughs> I walk in there and they'll be like, you know, you want to switch places for a week? You can do the morning show and I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll do this. It was so much more interesting to me. <laughs> it is I, a phenomenal show. I shouldn't show, say that, but it's the truth. <laughs> it is a phenomenal show that as well and i know what you mean i mean you know because as they go through the show because that's another show that sort of jumps through the years and as they go through it you're seeing alt versions of the technology that they've had to yeah. come up with because technology's where, really you know like they're going to do look the one show that i'd love to do which I, people have tried to do is bioshock right Ooh. yes Aren't they talking about doing that? They, yeah, there's a Netflix they film, are talking I think. about doing it again and Fallout. Now, again, like, I just love the take on those. Yeah. You're creating something, you're, you're meshing something that existed with a speculative use of it. And there, again, those two things are very designed already, but there's room to expand and also it would just be so much fun so things like bioshock or fallout yeah i'm not into just chasing monsters and shooting them mm -hmm. but creating the alternative you know a little bit of what could be with a little bit of what was would be my favorite yeah i, I entirely I mean, bioshock, get like you know i mean god you'd need a billion dollar budget for it. and i think they tried to make a movie of it at one point and there's always talk about doing the tv series but i think it was the price of it would be obviously ginormous. You don't want to do an Ant-Man version, right? You don't want to do like, I'm walking through bad CGI everywhere. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> the last Ant-Man, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You don't no, want I to don't marvelize know. it. I'm sorry, you just do not want to do that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get you what you mean. have the grit and the oiliness, and that was a thing that I wanted to have for The Last of Us too. Mm -hmm. I would tell people we're competing with the first Game of Thrones here on the yeah. level and on the grit and the dirt and the smell and all of that yeah and that's why the shocks would have to be and i think it would probably did a budget for it and it's just went. yeah we could go moon on this budget i'm sure probably that's could the case. build the city underwater maybe <laughs> the budget or part of it maybe yeah i think there is talk of them doing something but i mean yeah uh, netflix is trying to do a film currently so we'll see how much money netflix puts into that yes yeah i mean i guess a film then maybe that's the case <laughs> where you want to make it smaller mm -hmm. instead of mm -hmm. i mean expanding it to nine episodes yeah i don't think you could afford i don't know but you could see that you go back to things so you'd have to you know you could recycle yeah i mean i think someone could do it yeah, I think you know that, and I know they're making a Fallout movie. I know there's no TV show. Yeah, I think it actually wrapped. Oh, I missed it. Okay, I saw a news story earlier today saying that it that had, I think has just wrapped its first season. But if that works, there's going to be more of that because it's an Amazon series. Oh, and yeah, no, that's something yeah. I could see just going on. Yeah, that's got Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan behind it as well. So that I think could be spectacular. But we'll have to wait and see for that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but from a design point of view it's, it's great yeah I mean the, the aesthetic in that is, is beautiful 
we shall let you go I'm so happy we got to talk to you because ah it was fun the show has been just outstanding if it doesn't pick up a whole bunch of awards there is something very very wrong with it over there because yeah. it really deserves everything I thought it was a, just a phenomenal piece of TV and uh, I'm, I'm so looking forward to it coming back yeah no I think everyone's really proud of it and they yeah. should be absolutely yeah it was tough during the height of covid in (laughs) algary's winter well so dealing with that as well yeah i shall let you go and get back to your day thank you for spending the time talking to me it's been thank you thank you nice meeting you nice meeting you too bye 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 Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.